Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast, MoneyWeb's weekly podcast of interviews with leading investment professionals. My guest this week is Andrew Didburner. He is the CIO of Canon Asset Managers. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. We've seen a pretty significant downturn in the market uh, recently, not only in South Africa, but all over the world. We've seen the Dow, you know, fall around 15%, the Nasdaq as well. Uh, significant declines there, uh, mostly based on growth concerns. Um, and emerging markets have of also become, you know, persona non grata in, in many ways. Um, but let's start with international markets. Uh, where do you think we are heading? <laughs> Thanks, Rick. It's good to be here. It's a question that yeah, I don't like being asked um, because invariably um, I'll be wrong if I, if I give my view over one year what's, go what's going to happen over 2016. Um, I think what we are seeing is, you know, there's very much a risk off um, investors are, you know, there's volatility around investors are incredibly nervous. And I mean, we just look at, at some of the bond yields, the, the sovereign bond yields around the world. I mean, the Japanese 10 year bond, you know, the yield is now negative or went negative this week. You know, those are crazy moves or market moves. Um, so there's obviously volatility around. Um, volatility is not to be um, confused with risk. Um, we think when there's volatility, it, it very often provides um, opportunities to investors. So I wouldn't be scared of the volatility. I think you've got to take a very much a, a long-term view in this market. Um, trying to guess what's going to happen uh, over the next 12 months is incredibly difficult. Um, yeah, having said that, we undoubtedly in a low-growth environment. Um, emerging markets, yeah, they have come under pressure. We are seeing uh, GDP uh, growth rates lower. Um, the Chinese number that they printed is not believable. Uh, they're good at manufacturing a, a lot of things, including their GDP number. Um, but I think that still sits around 4%, which is higher than developed market uh, GDP growth. So whilst we are in a um, low growth environment, which obviously impacts company earnings around the world, so we're not going to see these massive um, earnings numbers coming out mm -hmm. of the U.S. Um, at the moment, or we're not seeing them. Um, so, you know, I think you can expect muted returns, but uh, as I say, you've got to take a long-term view. But, yeah. but it, you know, in, in the South African market uh, is slightly different. Obviously, we're an uh, emerging market, um, and, you know, one of the, uh, you know, we've seen uh, shops sell down in, in recent times. Um, how much of that is local economic um, conditions, and how much is, is it the, the emerging market story? Look, I think the South African market's a strange animal in that you've got a, a small number of very big companies that impact the, the Orsha index, and those are the usual suspects of your NASPERS, your SAB Millers, Richmonds, a few diversified miners, um, or that, although they're not that big anymore. So it's a bit of a strange animal. So when you see the market coming off, you've, you've actually got to look and, and, and see what's, you know, what's been falling and what hasn't been falling. And over recent times, or over the, or recent years rather, we've seen the uh, multinational global diversified companies holding up really well. And that's on the back of, you know, their RAND hedge businesses as well. So RAND weakness does help them when, when you convert um, that, those numbers in, or their earnings and um, their share prices of the dual listeds into RANDs. Obviously, a weak RAND helps them. Um, but then also your locally f facing industrials, um, which are very much tied to economic growth. And as we know, our economic growth this year is between po probably oh. closer to 0.5, but the estimates, the SAB estimates between uh, a half a percent and 1%. Mm. So in a low, you know, our economic growth is struggling. Um, and likewise, the uh, locally f 
facing industrial companies have um, struggled. And you just look at the valuations. I mean, a lot of these businesses um, sit on, you know, trailing PE multiples of, of under 10 times, um, which is incredibly cheap. Um, and that would indicate that they're priced for zero um, earnings growth. Before we get to the individual stocks, um, we have seen in the past few months significant outflows from foreign investors. Um, I, I think uh, I saw a study from from APSA which said $16 billion a month for the past three months. David Shapiro also remarked um, on the SAFM market update not too long ago that uh, a lot of investors are selling out of specific stocks like NOSPAS, um based on fears of, of emerging market. Are you seeing that? And, and does that not create maybe an overhang on some of those big industrial shares you've mentioned earlier that do actually earn a lot of money overseas? Yeah, 100% right there. You know, we we obviously seen the same thing that everyone else has seen. I think January we saw uh, equity outflows, foreign equity outflows of between 11 or 12 billion rand which is quite significant. You know, there's a definite risk there. Um, we've, it's something that we've paid specific attention to, to try and avoid. Um, avoiding companies that are trading on high multiples um, that have elevated earnings growth, so at the peak of the earnings cycle, and then that have foreign ownership. And unfortunately, a lot of those multinational businesses that I alluded to earlier are, are perfect examples of this. So here you sit, uh, with a number of retailers as well. You mentioned NASPERS um, that have huge foreign ownership and you look at the likes of a Mr. Price, for instance. You know, So buying a share that's on elevated multiples, Mr. Price a year ago had a PE of over 30 times. Um, their earnings so at the peak of their cycle, they had big foreign ownership. Um, and the minutes that disappoint, um, they don't have to produce bad earnings, they just got to disappoint the market. And you've seen what's, what happens. Mr. Price goes from 270 Rand to 150 Rand in a very short space of time. Um, then there's obviously, you know, that aside, you can look at the political um, risk um, and also removing foreigners wanting to take money away from emerging markets. And South Africa sits in there. Um, so, you know, that obviously will affect the likes of your NASPERS mm. um, that are, you know, have a huge foreign ownership base. So that's a definite risk and, and something that as an investor you need to be aware of. But of, of course, when uh, foreigners sell the, the holding, somebody needs to buy it. Do you know who is actually buying some you know, some of those significant <laughs> stakes in those companies? Look, a lot of those companies are, you know, high-quality businesses. They're exceptionally well-run. You know, you don't end up with huge foreign ownership and on multiples that they have been on or valuations that they have been on if you're a poor-quality business. So as you sell off, there's, you know, I don't know exactly who's buying them. As from a deep-value point of view, uh, we definitely not buying them right now, but you know, in in the future, they could become very attractive to to us. Um, but obviously, you know, as they sell off, there's appetite um, for other investors who see an opportunity to pick up a high quality business, um, but not on the elevated multiples that they used to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just because foreigners owning them doesn't change the fact that these are still good businesses. Um, so you know, if you're going to buy it for the long term. Um, and you believe that the valuation is not too demanding, you know, why not go in? When will Canon, you know, start to become a buyer in this market? <laughs> At what levels do you Look, think is, we, the, is yeah. the bottom? <laughs> I wish I knew where the bottom was. Um, if I knew that, I don't think I'd, I'd need to work. Um, but Canon is buying in this market. Um, we're just not buying, um, you know, some of these these companies that we've just um, spoken about. Uh, we're a deep value manager. Um, 
So we're looking for, you know, companies that that are what we would say are high quality businesses and, you know, high quality being good management. Um, you know, they've got an economic moat or they've got, you know, RP, um, intellectual property or, or something of the sort. They've shown a history of, of you know, strong earnings um, growth um, or been able to see through cycles and like a good company uh, or good case in point would be the likes of a Wilson Bailey Homes. When you look at the construction sector which has been in the in the um, doldrums um, you've got Wilson Bailey Homes who you know over many years um, have you know delivered superb um, uh, results. And they're and not that linked to the local market. Um, yeah, they, yeah they, they obviously are linked to the local um, construction market, but then they've obviously got um, their Australian mm. business. They've, they've got operations up in Africa. But there's a case of, of an industry that um, has struggled since, what, 2008, 2009, where you've seen the likes of Avenge, Murray & Roberts, you know, that used to be in the top 40 index. You know, now they, I think they battle to be in the, in the small cap um, index. Um, but you've seen Wilson Bailey Homes have weathered the storm. You know, they've ha- always had a strong balance sheet. So there's a case of a high-quality business that offers value, um, but it's just in a poor industry at the moment. And, you know, you've, if you've got the patience to, to ride it out, we would expect it to, you know, to get back to where it was 10 years ago. Um, you know, the, the price hasn't fallen, um, so we haven't lost or there hasn't been a, a permanent uh, destruction of, ca- of um, capital there. Um, so those are the sorts of businesses that um, Canon's looking at at Barn at the moment. Many of the value investors um, have looked at the commodity sector. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are companies that are yeah. showing or a lot of value. Um, uh, wh- what is your view on the commodity sector? <laughs> and are there counters you are looking at at the levels yeah. uh, they are trading at now? I was afraid you were going to ask me that question. Um, I think with hindsight, um, you know, resources resources are very difficult for any in- investment uh, manager to try and value. Um, you know, the trailing numbers mean very little. They're highly linked to the commodity cycle. So whilst they might appear to be offering value, they actually might be exceptionally expensive. And I think that was the mistake that a lot of people made, um, you know, four or five years ago. And I'll, I'll um, include ourselves in that as well. Um, we did go overweight resources um, a number of years ago because they appeared to be attractive. Um, and obviously with hindsight, that call was incorrect. Um, you need to be pragmatic. You need to, you know, admit your mistakes and and be able to fix them. See where you where you went wrong and fix them. And and I think we've done that now. Um, where we were saved, I think we didn't go into precious metals. Um, so you know, a lot of value managers or the local value managers in particular really liked gold and and platinum companies. Thankfully, we didn't see the value there. Um, so we we went into diversifieds, which. Obviously, hurt um, all commodity or all um, mining companies have come off, but mm. they haven't come off as strongly as as some of the precious you, metal companies. One of your big investments um, was in Anglo's. So yes, that's correct. Which actually came down a lot. But if you look at a company like Kumba, mm. um, which came down a significant uh, amount, and it's you know it's it's around. Uh, 30 rand at the moment uh, and uh, you know it is uh, as close to rock bottom pardon the pun as it can be uh, mm. would you look at a share like that yeah i suppose kumba i mean she's it's it's fallen you know incredibly hard and and as you said nasa said 30 rand nothing stops it going very quickly to 20 rand 
um, and then you lose a third of your investment. So that's the risk. So whilst you know the th- the thirty from where it's come from, the thirty rand to twenty rand doesn't look like a big jump. It's thirty percent of of your investment if you go in now. Um, so there's definitely still a risk there. If on all prices, you know, stay lower for longer, um, there's undoubtedly a risk. I, I know they're doing a hell of a lot of restructuring. Um, but, you know, there's there's too many uncontrollables there for a single commodity. Um, so as you, as you mentioned, you know, we, we've been in Anglos. We invested in Glencore as well. Um, you know, these are the diversified. Um, so you don't have single commodity risk. We prefer being there at the moment as opposed to, to the likes of, of Akumba. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it does look very attractive um, at the moment. Obviously, the dividends now thing of the past. Um, hopefully, at some point that comes back. But I think there's yeah, they're price takers in in this market. I think there's there's a risk that there could still be some some downside. Um, but as you've seen with the gold companies uh, in the recent months, when these things correct, they correct very quickly. Um, you know, you if if you're not in it, you'll miss that that big jump. But unfortunately, that's uh, part of uh, asset management. Absolutely. Um, one of your funds is the uh, Superdogs um, Fund, which is a very interesting fund, and you hold many shares there that mm. you don't see in many other um, collective investments. Uh, can you tell us about this fund and 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 why you focus on on these uh, uncommon shares, uh, Cap, Peregrine, <laughs> Clientel Life, Ansys, Sabwest, you know, combined motor holdings, yeah. those type of companies? Yeah. So the Superdogs portfolio was born out of a study that Adrian. Um, Adrian Savile used to do um, she's in, in the early 2000s it was a live study every year he would form a portfolio just going through the markets only industrials and financials resources were excluded for the very specific reason which I spoke to earlier that they, you know looking at trailing multiples doesn't mean a hell of a lot from a valuation point of view um, so it's looking purely at um, trailing PE numbers um, over the past year and then it, within each subsector you choose the top three, or when I say the top three, the cheapest three. They have to be profitable, um, so that they're kind of negative earnings. Um, but then you'll choose the lowest um, three companies, or the lowest uh, the three companies with the lowest PE ratios in each subsector, and hold it for a year. So basically, what you you invest in then is uh, the deepest value companies on the market, based on a, on, on a very s- uh, simple trailing metric. Um, that study, which was a live study, um, did exceptionally well. Um, and in the late 2000s, um, Adrian decided to launch it as a fund, and it became known as the Superdogs Fund. Um, so every year it's a pure quantitative um, fund, so there's no specific stock research that goes into it. We do put an overlay, a quality overlay onto it now. So if a company is trailing on a P ratio of two and there's huge business risk or you know their balance sheets they're overgeared or if there's any type of risk we'll we won't invest in that um but uh, more or less it's it's a quant driven at the beginning of each year we invest in the company so whilst you see a number of smaller names there it's not a small cap fund there obviously are a lot of um, small companies in there but there's nothing that prevents it from in investing in any of the larger companies uh, provided they're on the correct valuation but the fund has performed really well, much better than uh, your equity fund. Um, yes, uh, I suppose that's a, that's a, a function of one specific thing, um, and that's it's purely a financial and industrial uh, fund. There's no resource exposure there. So obviously we know what re- resources have done over recent times. Um, so then you would expect it to, you know, just purely based on that fact, irrespective of, of what the shares are, of what shares you, you hold in there. 
um, it's going to outperform. And then obviously there's a number of different holdings. There's a lot more companies, so it's more diversified um, than our um, past few equity portfolio is. Um, and uh, there's obviously different names in there that that obviously perform, you know, don't perform in line with our house view. So hence you'll get the divergence. Obviously, you you are a value investor and and you stick to your guns. Um, but we are seeing some headwinds, uh, you know, blowing against the the local market. Um, are you going to change your strategy or be more conservative in the short and medium term? Look, we're not going to change our um, straps if we've you know the market we've gone through there's no hiding the fact over the past five years you know value managers have underperformed substantially uh we haven't changed our stripes through this period we're not about to do that now um we can't influence how the the market prices shares that we invest in what we can influence is what shares we invest in and we want to ensure that we invested in these good quality businesses that grow their nav or or net asset value over time if the market wants to price it on a on a PE of five or a PE of twenty five, we can't Im- we can't influence that. We can only wait for that to happen, and sometimes we have to wait a, a very long time. In this market, obviously, you know, as we spoke about earlier, we are in a low economic uh, growth cycle at the moment. So, locally facing companies, which are the companies that are attractively priced at, at the moment, they are going to struggle. So, we need to ensure that where we invest in in sectors that that we think could face some headwinds over the short term, that we're in the, the best businesses um, in those sectors. And I alluded to Wilson Bailey Homes. There's numerous others that we can talk about. Um, so we want to ensure that we invested in such businesses, and then we need to be patient and wait. And, um, you know, we've been waiting a long time now. Can you give us a few examples of those other businesses apart from Wilson Bailey Homes? Um, yeah, sure. There's, you know, with in our resource um, sector, we don't, whilst I alluded to, you know, some of the diversified miners that we invested in, we we aren't overweight mining companies. We, we've invested in a lot of resource-facing companies. And then another example would be a master drilling, um, which it's not a very well-known business. He has a business, it's run out of uh, Fochville, which is near um, Potrofstrom. So it's a very unusual place to to find a, a, such a business that I've been talking about. But they've been developing their own um, RP for a number of years. And what they do is they do raised bore drilling. Um, so this is, you know, they can drill holes for mines um, at, you know, exceptionally uh, fast rates and uh, at... Um, a lot cheaper than a other, lot cheaper yeah. than than what um, miners can do at the moment. These guys um, have exposure around the world. They they drilling holes in Latin America, in Europe, in Africa, in Australia. You know, so they've they've got this um, global diversification. It's a local company. It's local costs. Um, you know, and he has a company that when you look, you know, if you, if you go and look at what the the um, financial reports show you, and you look at what the market's done, you know, it gives you two very different stories. We don't think that the market's rewarded this business for the type of business that it is. They are the only company in the world that can drill such holes. And at the at the mining in Darbo this week. They um, unveiled a new drill um, that should be able to drill a lot quicker, a lot faster, at a lot cheaper rates. And this suddenly starts making uh, previous projects that were unfeasible. Suddenly they become feasible. Um, so there's a, there's another example. Um, I can give you I can give you yeah. more, but yeah. So those are the sorts of businesses that that um, that we invest in at the moment. Thank you, Andrew. That was uh, Andrew Didburner. He is the chief investment officer of Canon Asset Management.